right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Buyer's Market Podcast. I'm joined today by Steve Flanagan. Uh, interesting way I met Steve through LinkedIn, one of my favorite tools. Uh, Steve's Vice President of Business Development and Strategic Recruiting at Lee Kennedy. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate being invited. Of course, of course. So uh, I became aware of Steve through a LinkedIn post that he made uh, where he was talking about playing the game. And he was talking about playing the game for helping people get um, get jobs and also leveraging LinkedIn. And uh, I don't remember the exact wording of the first post that I engaged with him, but I remember thinking like, oh, I like this guy. He uh, <laughs> He's speaking some gospel out here. Uh, it seems like my kind of guy. So I reached out to Steve. We messaged each other a couple of times and had a good conversation uh, previously just about our passions and about our experiences and a lot of that stuff aligned and um, a little bit different than our typical guest on here. Uh, he's not a buyer of architectural engineering services, but he's someone that has leveraged LinkedIn for not only business deals, but also to help people in their professional careers. He also has an amazing story, a two-time cancer survivor. He's going to get into that a little bit. Um, going to also get into how he um, pivoted through his career. Uh, lots of good stuff. So um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Steve here and let him get started with his career story, um, how he got started in the space, what what things propelled him through his career. And then at the end, we'll circle back and talk about what he's doing on LinkedIn and uh, how he's helped 289 people find new careers. Thanks. As you said, I've helped 289 people. It, it's my legacy. I've tried to help probably well over 2,000 at this point. Um, the, the way that really started in 1991, I was a 29-year-old architect. I got laid off. I was laid off for five months. Devastating time in my life. Even though it was 30 years ago at this point, the pain is right there. Um, and so my, my, you know, my wife was pregnant. My son was three years old. Uh, laid off for five months. I had no network. And uh, when I finally did get a job, the firm that I got a job at completely was leveraging or, or taking advantage of the economy to hire people as consultants with no benefits. And you know, fortunately, I was able to um, parlay my talent with a client that I became important, and I was able to force them to hire me, which, again, was frustrating that I had to force a firm to do the right thing. Um, and so that made me very empathetic, that whole experience to helping people. And so from 1991 until 2008 or 2002, I was trying to help people, but I was an architect for 10 years. I was a construction manager for 10 years. You know, you have a very limited network. You're in a trailer, you're on projects. It wasn't until 2002 when I became a business development person, your job is to go out and build a network. And so suddenly, and, I, and you don't really have a real job. I'm not working on projects. I'm not working on deadlines. You know, it's as close as being retired and still have a job and and so you know suddenly i was exposed to people so from 2002 to 2008 i built a huge network 2008 the economy shits the bed again i get laid off i could have cared less it was it was a good opportunity for me to do something uh with another firm uh and i started calling people and every phone call ended with me 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 and no one gave a shit about anybody else no one cared um that other people were laid off. And so I would start intentionally asking people, what about Tim? I don't care about Tim, I need a job. And I was just floored by the selfishness. And 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 so I literally, I was already trying to help people, but at that point I went on LinkedIn and I started telling the stories of helping people. I called them numbered posts. So number 12, I met a guy online and I got him a job. I was purely posting those stories 
to rub it into people's faces, stop worrying about yourself, worry about everybody. I worked my ass off to rub it into people's faces. I didn't understand that what I was starting to do. I was starting to build a brand um, and and it suddenly it, the the whole game scaled up for me because now people are reaching out to me saying, I need a job, I know a friend that needs a job or I need to hire somebody. And so from that beginning, I've helped 289 people. But the part that I really don't talk about because people tend to focus on it, you know, I've won a billion dollars of work for Lee Kennedy in 12 years. We were a $90 million company when I started. And so, you know, it, it's not hard. It's 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 hard to start when you're only $90 million and you have a small, uh, uh, small crew. And so, you know, of that billion, hundreds and hundreds of millions of it are because I got someone a job or because I helped someone. And, you know, it's it's been a great experience and, and I'm blessed. You know, I was an architect for 10 years. I love architecture still as much as anyone, construction manager for 10 years and now sales for the last 19 years. And so I get to sell what I love. Uh, and so that's that's the short story, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a that's a good one. And, and you know, I um, that passion is what I really enjoyed about when I first spoke with you. You know, we talked a lot about helping people and uh, we share the same outlook that you know, just continue to do the right thing. Help as many people as you can. Don't expect anything in return. And guess what? Magically, you put good karma out into the world and it just comes back to you. And I know that you and I both feel strongly about that. I know there's some other people I talk to that get caught up on, on the on the smaller percentage of people that may burn them or someone that didn't, you know, didn't do something to, that they felt like paid them back and they become sour on it. And yep. um, it's unfortunate because most people really appreciate that and at a minimum they pay it forward and that's i know that's what i tell everyone absolutely you know, i don't i don't want anything in return i don't need you to do anything for me what i need you to do is when someone else needs help please help them pay this yeah. forward help somebody else in their career and that's all i ask for I, I only get upset when i reach out to somebody and say hey i just met a young person who just graduated from college they want a similar path to you can you meet with them when they say no that's when they see a completely different side of me yeah. Because, you know, oh, I'm busy. Well, you don't think I was busy the 50 times you called me over the year you were laid off and I took all 50 of those phone calls. And so that's the only time I really get upset with with the that's the payback I want. I want them to help somebody else. And I've been blessed at the same time. Like uh, there's a woman, Christine De Palmer. I helped her twice. She's now helped over 50 people. Um, I have a client who's helped over 30 people now. And and I have a young kid in uh, I'm helping car designers in Europe randomly, and I have a, a young kid. He's helped. He's 22 years old. He just graduated a year ago, and he's already helped three people. And so the goal of this game is when I'm literally dead and in the box, that people keep playing, and and it, it's it it's bigger than winning work. And I know people struggle with that because they want the payback and they want to be able to measure it, and that's when the game falls apart. Yep. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I, I focus uh, all on digital now and um, I, I, I try and get people to understand um, it's digital is no different than anything else. You have to figure out what the inputs are, do them consistently, do them well, and the outputs will come. I don't know when they're going to come. I can't guarantee they're going to come in on your first post or in two days or in 10 days. But I can promise you, if you do it for one to two quarters consistently and do it well, you'll start to see enough benefits that you'll, OK, you believe this. And you will get some other benefits, but um, for some reason, people need that moment. I, I've, I, it's hard to explain the game, and then when someone has that moment, they get it. 
mm-hmm. uh, and and but that moment might not come for six months, and yeah. that's when people fade. Like you know, my young car designer Luke, um, he was about to fade. He was a month in, nothing was happening, and then he had an interaction that he created by a post, and the gentleman asked for his portfolio, <laughs> and he wrote me an email. You knew this was going to happen. I'm like, I didn't know shit was going to happen, but I knew you were opening yourself up to the opportunity that someone would come back at you with a request for your portfolio. And and now he gets it. He's all in. He's over 10,000 connections. He's gotten seven or eight opportunities because he's just consistently, to your point, he's posting every week. And, you know, a lot of people get confused what content is. If you keep pumping out the same piece of content, look at my photographs, look at my drawings, it dies. You need like eight to 10 different types of content. And, you know, people really struggle with, uh, what that is and they and they also try to oversell themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's one of the big big things I feel like you have to guard against is you can't be a billboard. Yeah. Like you you have to go into this thinking like how can I help? How can I add value? And I see people get tripped up a couple different ways. And then I want to get back to uh get back a little bit to your story. But I see them um I see them get tri- tripped up on that they think they have to do a hard sale, which that's not it. Yeah. Um, but then I also see people not understand the value that they have. Every single person has some sort of knowledge that someone else could benefit from. Excellent. Um, there aren't there aren't a ton of people that are comfortable doing this stuff. And so if you can just tell your story, tell what you've overcome, chances are there's someone else that's gonna at gonna get value from that, and that's what's gonna be helpful. Not saying, hey, my company does this. Come buy this. Come buy that. Right. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. Well, a- along those lines, I think. I- I see people trying to determine value before they'll even connect with someone. Like mm-hmm. a, a client at MIT asked me to help her brother who was an engineer. And so, uh, you know, I was explaining the game to an engineer, which is a challenge. And um, he said, well, I don't like to connect with anyone until I understand what's going to happen and what the value is. And because he's an engineer, he's trying to do the math, right? Yep. Dude, there is no math. You don't <laughs> know what's going to happen. And it, I, I got him out of his shell to a point he ended up he did get a job, so it was cool. But man, you know, hardcore engineer. I mean, masters from MIT, brilliant. But you know, as always, the the, the soft skills are uh, are more of a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so I I I think people understand now about what you're talking about about the game, about helping people, posting on LinkedIn, doing that. I want to back up a little bit and then work our way back through. So um, were you always this passionate about helping people and about having this legacy or did that come with your first bout with cancer? Do you want to talk a little bit about what that was um, like? You know, it's interesting. So, you know, I've been passionate since 1991. The, the, okay, the so pain that of, was the trigger. The, the pain of that, I will never forget that. Um, it's just, it's something that motivates me still every day. Um, I wrote an article that you can find on my LinkedIn profile um, you, you know, you, you get a sense from that article how much it meant to me and, and and how painful it was. So it just, but, you know, as I said earlier, that's when business development opened, you know, the door to actually be doing this at scale and then accidentally stumbling into the posting, you know, escalating this. The thing that I was never good at, Matt, was letting people say thank you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got your job. See you later. Have a good one. Um, and, you know, it's just my personality. And so I had cancer and, you know, I had five things wrong. I, I, I had kidney cancer, t- uh, stump, t- uh, tumor on my stomach. I was anemic. I had blood clots. I had knee pain. And so I would go to, a, for a month, I was in, in crazy pain on crutches. 
people wouldn't stop to hold open uh, a door at a convenience store. People are so self-absorbed now, they have their head down, it's in the phone, that it was amazing how many times a door would close in my face. And you know, at one point I was out in CVS so, and crying my eyes out in my car. And I said to myself, I'm never going to help another person the rest of my life. Like if no one can stop and hold open a door for me, why am I spending 30 hours a week helping people? And so either that day or maybe the next day, I went to a bakery because I had to keep eating meatballs because I was anemic. And so I'm in line and I'm going to I'm going to start crying. Um, a young woman was helping me and I turned to walk away. I got a bag. I'm on crutches. It's, it's a tight fit. And I hear the young woman say, um, hold on for a second for the next customer, not thinking of it. She runs by me, holds open the door with the biggest smile. Have a great day. Um, it meant the world to me. And so it really taught me that moment. And I went back the next day and gave her Bruins tickets. And I didn't even tell her why I was giving them to her. And so I'm out in my car and I'm crying again. And so I'm like, Steve, this is why people appreciate what you do, because you're the guy that gets to hold open the door every now and then. And and so that at that moment, I was all back in. I'm like, OK, <laughs> I'm back in the game. And and what she doesn't understand, she doesn't know my name. She doesn't remember that interaction. She, I really believe she changed the course of my life because I was I was done with people like F you. And and instead, I think it's, it's a great question, Matt. I think that's the moment where I was really like, shit, I need to go faster. You know, and I need to help more people, and this has to become um, my legacy. So, yeah, it, the cancer really um, uh, magnified how important this is, and and how much is important to me. And and obviously, when when a perfect stranger that you helped calls and they're crying, and then I start crying, what's that's a great day. I don't even know this person. I've, I've never yeah. probably talked to him on the phone. There was one woman in particular. I can remember sitting in my car outside the gym. I'm bawling my eyes out, and so is she. We never met each other, and it took me 15 minutes to get her a $70,000 a year job. Um, and and I don't think as people we understand how uh, how it's not a lot of effort to have a big impact on people in their lives. Yeah, I, I mean that's an incredible example right there. You you hear a lot, you know, the, just the higher level of you, you know. You don't know how you don't know what a smile does for someone. You don't know what a kind word does for somebody. Um, but we all have that those opportunities to either leave someone with a negative impression or a positive impression. I think it's very difficult to be neutral. Um, and you know, this is a real life example with with someone. You're listening to Steve Flanagan talk about how one person opening a door completely changed his day, his year, and his life. And now that his life has been changed, he's helped over 200 people already, and he continues to do that. And um, I love the, you know, I, I like to think of this in the pay it forward. I, I enjoyed that movie. I don't know if you, there's an old movie now. Uh, most of our people probably have never seen it. Um, but it's that exponential effect, right? You help one person, they help 10 people. Those 10 yeah. people help 10 more people. And it just, it's how the world becomes better. I love it. Well, and, and you know, that's, that's kind of my, you know, I, I joke with people, this is how I'm going to change the world. Um, and and because I believe if we pour enough kindness out, we're going to have an impact. It might be minuscule, but it is an impact and it can be positive or negative. Yep. And uh, oddly enough, it all starts with you. It's how you show up. If you show yep. up into the world and uh, decide today I'm going to walk out and I'm going to try and make a positive impact by holding the door, or giving a smile instead of a frown. 
yep. that's all it takes. And, and that positive impact, you know, it, you know, I, I have I won hundreds of millions of dollars because I've done this. Yes. If I retire tomorrow, I'm still going to keep playing the game and there's going to be no outcome. And and, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, what's weird about playing the game and helping people is there's a percentage of people who are immensely suspicious of me. He's a selfish uh, um, asshole who's just trying to help people because he wants to make money. You have to accept that that's part of the game. People are going to be a sus suspicious. It's just really a reflection on them because they can't comprehend that someone would help someone with no upside. And somehow through my messaging or just how I act, my clients know I'm not helping them and then calling them on Monday expecting to get a job. Actually, I, I helped a, a young man get a job at a university and I called him, I guess, three months later. Don't remember the call, but he told some coworkers the story. And uh, so he sees me on caller ID and he's like, oh, Steve's here to collect, you know, collect his payment, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I knew he had a baby and he said, what I, basically what I said on the phone was, how's the baby, you enjoying the new job, have a great day, and I hung up, right? Yeah. I was just checking on him. I didn't, I didn't want a project, you know, and I think too many people have expectations of an immediate payback. Um, and, and, but I also tell people, if you're going to play this game, you have to play. I was helping a gentleman at Yale who was miserable and trying to get a new job. And uh, one of my competitors reached out and said, hey, if you ever need any help, if you ever need any information, just let me know and I'm going to help you. Well, Roger asked the guy, hey, you guys do a lot of work at this university. What's the story? How's their structure? The guy never responded to the email. Mm. And then when Roger got a job, he said, hey, I heard you got a job. Let's go out to lunch. <laughs> and, and, and so by playing the game and not actually engaging, he just actually exposed who he is. You know, Roger lost his value when he lost his job. But as soon as he had a new job, his value came back. Mm -hmm. And to your point, or, uh, your point earlier, don't, don't look as people as value. You know, look at them as people. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much because uh, I, I see that. I see it with my I see it with myself. You know, we've had uh, there's a lot more people that want to talk to me now than there were two years ago. And it exactly. just keep it just it just keeps growing. And I see a lot of people, you know, a job alert. Like I try and congratulate everyone on those. I don't I'm not messaging them to try and get anything or liking the post. Anything. And hey, congratulations. You got a new gig. Yeah. Um, but I'm significantly more likely to reach out if I see someone switched roles to hey are you okay um yeah. not because they could help me because hey did you did, was this on your own volition or did something happen you know i have a network do you need any help can i can i connect you with anyone on my network and those are the people that i try and make sure i reach out to above and beyond the people that you're just sending the congratulations to because um yeah they might need some help in their new role but those are those are good problems to have versus right. someone that lost their job for whatever reason or they had to make a career switch because of family stuff and now all of a sudden they went from a director to a supervisor and they're just trying to buy their time it's those are the people that really need help and they can't help you but you can help them and i think that's an opportunity to show up well I, I, there was a woman who lost her job and and uh, i didn't know her i wasn't selling to her she was in a, in a hospital system a friend from mit said hey my friend lost her job go go do what you do and so a guy from mit is asking me to go help his friend i'm gonna go and so I went and met with her and I knew who she was, but I just wasn't selling to hospitals at that point. And um, she looked at me and she's like, can you explain where my 389 friends are? 
And what she meant by friends was engineers, architects, soils consultants, contractors who used to take her to lunch and call her and check on her and see how the kids are. She was crushed. And there were two people in particular who I know well. And she said, I thought we were really friends. Since she had gotten laid off, since she had lost her value, everyone disappeared. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it, it took her five months to get over that pain. And I almost came back and light, lit up LinkedIn like you SOBs. Stop mm-hmm. determining value based on what people can do for you. Um, and, you know, interesting resume. She had a tough resume for a lot of reasons. I Shawshank redemptioned to get her a job. I mean, (laughs) I try not to do anything too illegal to get someone a job, but I crawled through that pipe. I I swear to God, I I guilted someone who had a negative impact on her and I got her a job by coming as close to the line as I probably have ever to call somebody out. Um, and, but it took her 18 months to get a job. And, and I told her, don't worry about it. Once you get a job, your 389 friends are going to show up again. Yep. And, and the power of not being that 389 is, you know, is, is extraordinarily powerful, but people don't make that connection. Like I had a conversation with an architect, Steve, how do you get all the client meetings? I help people. Steve, we know you help people. How do you get all the client meetings? I help people. Steve, we get you help people. How do you get all the meetings? He could not relate not selling to people to get the meetings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, you know, and obviously, you know, I get it to a point. If I was still a construction manager or if I was still an architect, I wouldn't know this game, right? Yeah. Um. So, so much here. We'll have to come on again because we could talk about this for a lot of time in the game. Um, but you brought up, you know, you brought up something interesting there and something that I've always disagreed with in business development. Um, I, I have worked with um, some counterparts that go above and beyond to try and understand personal information about the client, not in a genuine way. Um, yeah. It's in a, collecting data. They, <laughs> yes, they have their kids' names in their phone and all this, yep. and it, they just have like a list of information. And yep. when I was first coming up in business development, it was like, "Hey, this is what you need to do." And I'm like, "That's so disingenuous because I don't actually know this information about his family, and I can't engage beyond like I, I'm not going to do that." If right. I remember something about your family, <laughs> I actually remember it, and I apologize exactly. if I don't. But some, if I just don't remember some things, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember. You're never going to get the impression that I know everyone in your family if I don't actually know that. Yeah. And um, I think that's what hurts people like that is because they don't realize that sometimes that some BD people are like that, where they keep lists of information. Before they meet you, they read through the list, and that's how yeah. they actually know all this stuff. And so yeah. all of a sudden, when you're not useful, it's like all I, that contact gets deleted and all that information gets deleted too. And then guess what? They don't know your family anymore. They never really did know your family. They never really did know you. That was um, a tactic that I completely disagree with personally. Well, well you said it very well. I, I'm the same way. If I remember it, great. Otherwise, I'm not saying it. And yeah. I think, you know, uh, people use that information to build trust, but it's it's really, it's not real. Uh, yeah. And it, it, uh, it I get why people do it, but yeah, it, it's wrong. And and we're, you know, I'm lucky. I'm a BD guy. I don't have projects. I don't have jobs. My whole job is to remember stuff. And so I think it's more challenging. And I always try to be a little sensitive to the architects, the engineers. They're trying to do BD 
and operations, which is left brain, right brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe they have to rely on that stuff a little more because they actually have other things to think about. But I think you have to minimize how you use that information. Yeah. And especially giving the false impression. Like that's my, we like, we go on about this. We got we to gotta oh, yeah. educate some more people about the game. I want, because I want people to understand how you discovered it. Because I, I think they're, you, you said it very succinctly earlier where the, the, they have to see something happen. There's this kind of light that comes on. I see it all the time with my clients. I see it with um, my counterparts. I work with people that I try and help with LinkedIn. Um, I've helped numerous people, and um, I've seen quite a few people that get to where your earlier the um, your earlier client was in Europe, where they're into it a month and they haven't really committed. The contents, meh. You know, they're just well, and, and also things. And I'm sorry for interrupting you, but not only was he not committed, his fellow students were kicking the shit out of him. Yeah. You look stupid. You should be on Instagram. Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. And so you're dealing with this immense negativity. I was actually w- working with a very senior architect, owns his own firm. And I said, what's going to happen when Ann Beha or Bill Ron come at you and say, you're posting on LinkedIn? To his credit, he didn't bullshit me. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, I know what you're going to do. You're going to stop posting. <laughs> and, and so that that's a huge problem for people yeah well it's um everybody laughs at it until they see the value in it and then it's a then it's oh how can i do that it's i've seen (laughs) multiple people make that evolution um so in 2008 is that when you really first started so the financial crisis happens the economy goes in the toilet and so is that when you first started being active on linkedin when you started to go in the job market and just you said you you know started posting how'd you get started what were the initial results that said, hey, I think this is something? And then how did you get to where you are today where you're producing content on a consistent basis? People know you through LinkedIn and you're, you're, you know, you've generated a billion dollars in opportunities through it. Well, I, I think no doubt that the, 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 the numbered posts and, and wanting to rub it into people's faces really started my content at scale. And, and I'd go to an event and someone would be like, oh, you're the guy that helps people. And I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, and all, but also, you know, I, I made the initial, 1991, I have no network. I'm unemployed for five months. I made a thousand phone calls. Now there was no internet. I was reading the Sunday Globe. 2008 comes, I know I'm gonna get a job very quickly. And so, because why? Because I had a network. And so the light bulb kind of went on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then I realized the numbered posts showed up. And then I would start going to events and the feedback that I would get from clients and architects. I'm like, people are really reading this shit. And, and then there was a client that I reached out to and I, and I helped her get a job. And we happened to both be going to SCUP New York, the, mm-hmm. you know, the SCUP uh, uh, event. And so we had never met each other. I had gotten her a job. We're texting as she's driving to New York. I'm already at the bar. And uh, she's like, I, she, I told all my friends I'm going to get to meet Steve Flanagan today. And I'm like, what? Like, it's not <laughs> not that big of a deal. But, you know, here's my client telling her friends that I get she's going to get to meet Steve Flanagan. And then she comes into the bar and we're running to each other like in the airport. Like it almost <laughs> felt like we were running towards each other in slow motion. Yep. See, out of a movie. Middle of a bar in New York City, we're rocking back and forth, hugging each other. <laughs> and because we had never met, she was excited and, and, uh, and I was too. And so she then steps away to go be with her colleagues. 
and an architect comes up to me and goes, can you introduce me to her? How do you know her? And I can't tell them that I, that I helped her get a job. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, actually, I just met her for the first time. And he goes, but you were hugging. And I'm like, yeah, that's business development. <laughs> and, and, and so, yeah, that was really like, you know, she's telling her friends, she's excited. And, and it was like, wow, like, I, like th- that was like a light bulb moment. Like there's, some, there's something more to this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was already doing it. I already was um, going to continue to do it. But that's probably when I realized, oh, there's a there's a business development component that I didn't really understand. I mean, my dad drove a forklift for 45 years in a warehouse. There was no business talk at the dinner table. <laughs> like, like, I learned all this by my own experience. And I think it's the best way to learn it. But it it's also makes it hard to teach because, as we said earlier, people need that moment yeah yeah i i remember when i first started being active on linkedin people were what are you doing mm-hmm. like what what's going there was such a skepticism about and at that time i was just trying to understand the platform this was like probably in that in that i'll i'll say maybe 2010 10 range and it was like i just was trying to understand the platform trying to understand the platform and you know until probably two years ago I thought, man, I'm so behind the curve on this stuff. But the people that I was paying attention to, what I was paying attention to were industries that were, I mean, they're literally a decade ahead of where we are in architectural engineering construction. Right. And that's when the light bulb went off, like, wait a second, this opportunity is at the very beginning. It doesn't get smaller, it gets bigger. Because right, right now you're able to look at adjacent industries and see they have deep penetration of LinkedIn in these organizations and you know a large percentage of the population architectural engineering construction which has skewed older is a little bit behind that but every day more people in our industry get on more people start to use it the way other industries use it where their news feed becomes the news they would rather hear from I, I know I feel the same way I'd rather hear from someone like you or an engineer at a company I respect or an engineer at a um, at an OEM that I respect I'd rather hear directly from them about what's happening in the marketplace and what's going on versus through McKinsey or through BCG or through even ENR to a certain degree. I'd just rather hear from the people because they're on the ground. Through content, you can become a trusted advisor. Yep. Without ever having met anybody. Yeah. And 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 you know it's so powerful. But you know, people are unwilling to put that content out. And we're blessed. I mean AEC industry, we have construction photographs, we have finished photographs, we have drawings. The content is sitting right there. You know, every like I connected with the financial manager, and he, and and I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're gonna post. Um, <laughs> you know, because but you know, it, that's actually a good example. So he, I said, why did you reach out to me? Oh, I love construction. Well, if I go to your profile or if I look at your content, do I know that you love construction? He's like, well, no. And I'm like, you're targeting people because you love it, and you're not explaining that you love it. I taught him the game. He was doing 500 cold emails a week and getting two responses that he could jump people on the phone. Or no, five people on the phone, two, two typically two uh, wins. And so I taught him how to play the game. He got a million dollars in deposits within four weeks because he was showing construction workers that he loved what they did. And then he could have the conversation about their money. And uh, But it's funny, I thought I saved the world from 500 shitty emails every week. <laughs> all, all he did was he played the game and then he hired someone else to send out the 500 emails. <laughs> Ugh, 
You got to I, I, I did a I did a post about it, and I, and I apologized. I'm like, sorry, I thought I was doing something to help the world. <laughs> got to tell him, man, that you got to put that. You got to put those resources somewhere else. That's a low open rate. That's a low success rate. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not surprised by that. It's uh, it's it's those kind of tactics. Um, you brought up an interesting point though, because you know that's one of the first things when, when we when we start talking to a client with engaging perspectives. Um, you know, they always want to like tell us what tell us what we should do. I don't know what you should do until I understand your business a lot better. Yeah. And so one of the places that we found beneficial to start is have the client tell us like what. What do you what do you want clients to know about you? What what's, what's your, your competitive story? advantage? Yeah, exactly. We don't say sometimes we say story, but sometimes story turns people off because they think it's too soft. Which we're it driving sounds, to story, but it sounds yeah. like yeah, exactly, exactly. We're not Disney. We're a construction company. It's like, okay, yeah. uh, so they'll tell us, you know, we're you know we're this and we're that, and they, and most people do have a great story, and you get them to tell, and they get excited about it, yeah. and it's like, yeah, this is great, you know, and then you get it on their website, and you're like, it doesn't say any of that. Oh, and you're not posting on social media. So how are you telling people? Well, we have two BD people. They go and tell people. I'm like, oh, so you have two people going, driving from customer to customer, telling them about your competitive advantages and how you can help them. They're like, right. yeah. I'm like, oh, how many people make it to your website a day? How many people are viewing when you post on social media? Yep. Are Do you think that those are your possible customers too? And that that little interaction has been great for people to understand like oh okay it's connecting that digital and physical world i think because people think it's digital they and i also see that as a struggle they struggle to take it from linkedin to in person and if right. you can't take it from just posting and messaging and get it to something like this where you and i had a phone call and are having a meeting it, it is difficult to leverage and i think that's where if people don't see that it's tough for them to get it yeah well and, and i think a lot of architects they tend to uh, a lot of bd people in architecture aren't architects Mm -hmm. So how are they actually going and telling your story? Because they don't know the story or yeah. they can't share it from a passion perspective. Yeah. Like typically, my clients, I'm meeting with either an architect or a construction manager. I was an architect and a construction manager, and I love this shit more than anybody. <laughs> and, and so what do people connect with each other over passion and shared stories? Like, I, you know, it also helps with recruiting, right? If you're getting your story out there, we're fun to place to work at, we care, we love what we do, that's going to draw talent to your organization, which helps with the win rate. Like, yep. when I interview someone for Lee Kennedy, you know, tell me your best war story. And if I can't hear the passion as the beam fell to the ground, then it, it's not real. Because, you know, ultimately, you have to get these people also at an interview table, and they better be passionate about at the interview table. Yeah. And, you know, when, when someone's at an interview and, and you feel like they could be selling, you know, they could be working as a cashier at Stop and Shop, you don't win those projects. Mm -hmm. They have to show up. And so you can, you can draw the right talent to your company to help you grow, which is a huge part of winning, obviously. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many benefits. It's, um, it's funny, everyone, you start out with the ones that people are most attracted to, like revenue. People are now in a tight labor market. People are more interested in recruiting. Yep. I mean, you think about from a messaging standpoint, you know, companies spend a lot of time training. If you consistently produce good content in specific communication buckets that you want to get out there, it not only helps your customers understand what you're about, your organization understands more of what you're about. So now all of a sudden, your front-level engineers that may not talk to a client for five years, they're consuming the company content and understanding, like, this is how I communicate our competitive advantage. This is how I communicate with customers. Absent yeah. of that, they have none of that exposure. And so you have, you know, in a large organization, 
you might have 50 BD people that are all telling a different story and some are better than others versus you surfacing what the best information is, what's the most compelling information to your customers, producing content, then you arm your BD folks with that information and then they don't have to, they can they can focus on forming a relationship, not creating stories. Right, they, they know your best story because you told them what it is through content. Yes, and, yes. And, you know, it's funny, I was after this engine, after a superintendent at you know one of the premier firms in Boston, I'm pumped that he wants to meet, right? We go to the coffee shop, I walk in, he goes, look, I really, I'm not interested in making a move. I just wanted to talk to you about how you help people. And we ended up having an hour and a half conversation of sharing war stories of, and you know we, we built a connection off that. Now, does he eventually come? Who knows? But he only had that meeting because of the story, because of passion, because of energy, not because I told him the three reasons we're the best builder or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I I feel that I had a um, I had a meeting in the last couple of weeks with uh, with someone that was trying to recruit me to a position, and I I I even said I'm not. It's low likelihood that I'm gonna that I'm gonna do anything. I, I just to just FYI, but I'm interested in meeting you and understanding more about your company. And you know, it became pretty clear within ten minutes that hey, I'm not gonna be doing anything. But then this person and I were able to form a relationship from that, and. Who knows if anything ever comes of it, but this is a really smart person and I was excited to meet and we were able to make that connection that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. So absolutely that stuff happens all the time. Um, so uh, normally we uh, normally at, at this juncture, we kind of we go through some uh, buyer behaviors and how they've changed. And so you have a unique perspective. I think you have a perspective that's a little bit closer to mine than some of our buyers. And so I just want to talk about a couple things here towards the end. Um, and just, you know, maybe you and I can jam on it a little bit. Sure. So we, we ask people things like, do you perform your own research prior to making a buying decision? Uh, and so ha have you seen that? And I guess from your perspective, do you see customers performing their own research more and more? Um, I guess, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, I think so. It's interesting Go going back to the game, right? So, so someone asked me, um, hey, do you know any photographers in London? I was connected to 59 photographers in London. I had seven minutes to give them a list of five. <laughs> and so I started scrolling through and I started, you know, trying to figure out and I'm like, okay, I, I can't, I have to go fast. Mm -hmm. Do they have an image of a car in their feature section? They got on the list. There was one gentleman I stopped because his, his LinkedIn profile was written so well that I actually went to his website. And so I'm driving home and I'm like, I just played the game as the client <laughs> for the first time probably ever. And my activity matched what I tell people to do if you're trying to sell something. Yep. So yeah, I think clients are absolutely going on people's LinkedIn profiles. We've, we've talked about trying to do something, but we haven't done it. Like if our super is interviewing for performing arts center project, let's put a performing arts center project as a post on his LinkedIn profile. Cause I think people are going to individuals LinkedIn to determine who am I about to meet? Yeah. And you know, passion, energy, and love had better be there. And so you, you can kind of, you know, force that to happen. Um, you know, I think the big reason why people go to LinkedIn when they're in a buying situation, who do I know that knows this superintendent? Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're looking for third party verification from someone they trust. And that's really the power of LinkedIn from a sales perspective. Yeah, that that's really well said. It's and I think the 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 thing that LinkedIn has really changed is uh, and you said it, they're going to this third party. People have access to their peers in a different way than they ever did before. Yes. 
um, a, positively you know, and negatively, right? Yes. Yeah. It can, it, it can work, it can work out as a disadvantage for you, especially if you're not conscious of it, not deliberate about it. You're not showing up. And, um, I had, I had a woman at Harvard get, get killed on a job because someone she was connected to, you know, knew the person that was considering hiring her and he gave her a really bad reference. She was bullshit that they went on LinkedIn and found their own person. And I'm like, well, they're not going to call your three references. We, you know, it's, we all know what they're going to say. And so, yeah, it it can absolutely be a positive and a negative. And, you know, people have to be aware of that. I mean, if you know, someone's going to give you a bad reference, you know, disconnect from them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That, that's, that, uh, I I agree a hundred percent. So we're getting, we're getting close on time here. Um, so I want to give you an opportunity here at the end, um, just kind of in your own words, if you would um, summarize, you know, I think people understand what the game is, but if you could summarize what the game is, yep. and then if if there's a professional that's interested in, in, in doing something with their career, getting more active on LinkedIn, why don't you tell them how they can reach out to you? Sure. Um, and then at the end, I'm going to ask you, what's your best routine or habit? We'll circle back to that, but if you need to think about it a little bit, you can think about it while you're telling us about the game. Sure. So the game has five components. I just did a presentation last week at the Boston Architectural College. They're going to put it on tape, so I don't know how I, I can figure out how to get access. And so you can actually see the game, me explain the game live. But the game has five components. You build an audience, right? And the average person has like 700 connections on LinkedIn. Only 1% have over 10,000. Um, there are 300 million monthly users on LinkedIn, only 3 million put out content. So to your point earlier, there's a huge opening, particularly in the AEC industry. So you build an audience of people that you want to connect with. You put out weekly content to be visible to the audience. That visibility, if done correctly, creates interactions. Now you can take actions to drive interactions. You know, I think a lot of people think it's just, oh, look, I put up a pretty post. No. You can drive interactions off that post. And then from that, opportunities come. I mean, I I helped an engineer in New York City that I didn't know get a client in Miami. And, you know, a year later, he's like, oh, my friend's going to build an $18 million project. Do you want an introduction? Well, I got that job because I helped a random engineer that I'd never met by putting out content. And so, you know, serendipity or whatever you want to call it, that stuff happens. And so five components of the game, reach out to me through LinkedIn. If I'm not sleeping, I'm literally helping people. <laughs> I, I can attest to, uh, so if you send me a message on LinkedIn, I'm I'm very, very likely to respond to it, it, in a certain time frame. Um, so depending on what day of the week it is, what I have going on, it might take me a day or two and depending how many I receive, but I will respond to you. Steve, when I message Steve, he's got, a, I can tell he's got his alerts on his phone because he is like, uh, he's right back to me. I'm like, man, this guy's making me feel bad about my response <laughs> time on LinkedIn. Well, I'm so crazy that the, part of the reason I started helping uh, car designers in Europe is because I'm up at 4.30 and it's 9.30 in London. Mm. And so rather than laying in bed, boom, I'm helping people in London. Uh, and so it's just a way of, it was a, a way of increasing the game and I love car design. So it's exposing me to something that I love. Awesome. Uh, I mean, yeah, so so much there for people to think about too. You know, there's something to be said about following your passion and not being, you know, I, I think people that fear hurt them a little bit too, or there's, you know, I think a lot of people, even if they were as successful as you were in the beginning would think, 
well, I don't know anything about cars. Even though I love cars, I don't know anything about car design. That's not something I can do. Right. And they defeat themselves before they even try when the reality is everyone starts with a limited knowledge. And you can't compare yourself to the person that's been in the industry for 15 years because you haven't. But you can right. compare yourself to the person that has no experience and then start from there. <laughs> well, and, and, and you know, it was interesting for me, like, can I teach the game in another industry? Like, it was a good, good challenge for me. And also, I wanted to help these kids because they were really struggling. Yeah. What I didn't understand, though, is culturally, depending on what country you're from, limits or helps your ability to play the game. Um, and, and again, I'm learning this shit as I go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we like to end. Uh, we like to ask all of our successful guests what their most impactful routine or habit is. Um, we, uh, you know, we gives people an opportunity to hear from other successful leaders. And I'm a huge, huge fan of habits and routines. And I think I want to hear as many of my can and adopt the ones that make sense because, you know, it's not one size fits all. So why don't you tell us what's made the biggest impact on you? I, I think it's caring about people and not seeing people as targets. Right. I mean, like. Like I, I'm very fortunate that um, I, I don't look at people as targets. I look at them as as opportunities to help people and make people better. And you know, the more you care about others' success, the more successful you've been uh, or you'll be. I mean, there's been a ton of books written about that, right? Uh, and um, it's it's absolutely true. So I think my my greatest um, routine is to constantly every week care about people and show them I do by reaching out to them. Mm. And it's not about what free projects do you have coming out? Yeah. Um, I think that's a routine that we can all adopt a little bit more of if we're not already adopting it. So I don't want to say anything else. I just want to uh, thank Steve for coming on. This is a great conversation. Um, probably going to ask Steve to be back on again just because he's fun to talk to. And I know we can talk about the game in a lot more detail. Um, if you're interested in working with Steve or getting to know Steve, uh, please follow Steve Flanagan on LinkedIn. We'll put um, we'll put a link to his LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And then if you're interested in talking to me personally, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in working with engaging perspectives to help your digital transformation and marketing, um, reach out to me directly or reach out to uh, us through the Engaging Perspectives website. Steve, thanks again. And uh, everyone have a great week. Thanks, Matt.